right, everybody. Welcome to Rick Six, Season 2, Episode 17. We're back discussing the 2021 NBA playoffs. I'm with Preston. Preston, this was a crazy round. How you feeling right now? Bewildered, bamboozled, and straight up led astray. Okay, Stephen A., is that all you feel? That's all I feel right now. That's all I feel right now, Eric Casares. I think uh, this is crazy to look at at the start of the playoffs that we would have thought that the Clippers, the Suns, the Bucks, and the Hawks would be the Final Four team standing. But I guess that's what you get sometimes when you have teams that are injured. I'm not making any excuses for the Lakers and the Nets, but wow. And I mean, the Jazz. And yeah, I get, well, I mean, I don't really blame the Jazz too much because even when they had Mike Conley, they blew a 25 point lead without the Clippers having Kawhi Leonard. That's all I got to say. This series was the definition of players stepping up, players showing that they're not as good as they are, and then also blowing leads. I think that that's what I've seen for the past two rounds is there's just been a lot of things to note. Oh, okay, so where do we start, man? There's, there's a, there is a lot to talk about. Let's start with the easy one, just because th- we're not going to be talking about this one too much. There's not really much to talk about. Nuggets and Suns, pressing overall thoughts. Suns killed them in four games. Devin Booker went off. He did get a lot of rebounds, like I said he was going to get. Uh, Chris Paul, we'll talk a little bit more about him going into this Clippers series. They did win game one last night. How did you feel about that series overall? You were kind of right about the the Suns winning in five or six. They ended up winning in four, but I don't think anybody thought it was going to be a sweep. Talk a little bit about Jokic, that team, you know, the help of the Phoenix Suns and just everything overall, their shooting performances and everything that you saw from that series. Yeah, I knew that without Jamal Murray, the Nuggets, uh, it was going to be a really tough matchup, especially with DeAndre Ayton guarding Jokic. DeAndre Ayton, uh, Ayton has you know, improved drastically over the course of the past year. And I think a big reason of it is Chris Paul. A a lot of players on that team have improved over the past year. You just see Chris Paul brings out the best in everybody. Uh, It's unfortunate that he wasn't there for game one against the Clippers. But, you know, apparently he was texting uh, Morris's brother throughout the game and he was yelling down from the stands, uh, just like little cues and stuff that Chris would have said throughout the game, which I think is really cool. Now with the Nuggets, I expected them to have a couple of really hot nights shooting. Those nights never came. The best games they had, the Suns were just still too much to handle. Devin Booker was just amazing, master clinic throughout um, that series. And once Jamal Murray is back, I think the uh, the Nuggets will do better next postseason. But for now, they just didn't have enough help. Yeah, well, you guys know me. I didn't even have the Nuggets getting out of the first round. I gambled a little bit and picked the Blazers to win that game or win that series in seven. You know, they lost in six ultimately, but I was talking a lot about how Portland really had that series in their hands and they kind of let it go because Damian Lillard put up 55 points in one game and he relied on his two second best options, which were CJ McCollum and Rocco, and they blew the game for him. So the Nuggets went through a well-fought-out series. Even if they won in six, it was still a pretty competitive series, you know, with Dame Cook in their backcourt. And I expected them to come out a little bit better against the Suns, so that is a little bit disappointing because I was kind of intrigued by that matchup. But Devin Booker, Chris Paul, you know, you got guys like Jay Crowder who for some reason is now like Larry Bird out there. That dude hits literally everything. Really good defender too. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got Cam Johnson, uh, that dude coming off the bench too. I swear every time he Cameron Payne, Cameron Payne too. Every time I used to think of Cameron Payne, you know what I used to think of pressing a garbage can. Yeah. That garbage can from OKC that would just do the little dance moves with, with Russell Westbrook off the bench. Like that's all I thought of that dude. He was, he was a scrub, never got any playing time. And now he comes over to Phoenix and he's like, Chris Paul 2.0 man off the bench. Congrats to Cameron Payne for, for uh, up in his career a little bit. But yeah, that series wasn't very competitive. Jokic, feel sorry for him. He did all that he could. I mean, this dude had 35, 20, and 10 one game, and they still lost. So that's all I got to say about that team. The Suns were just far better. So let's move on into the next series. We had the Jazz and the Clippers. Now, Preston, this is the one that just was a roller coaster of emotions here. You got the Jazz winning 
the first two games at home. Clippers went down 0-2 again, except this time I thought it was over because the Jazz are a lot better than the Mavs. I've been talking about how the Jazz can literally do everything the Mavs do, but better. And Donovan Mitchell actually has help. But that wasn't the case this time. You know, I know they they lost Mike Conley, but they didn't have Mike Conley the first three or three, four games. But I really thought that they were going to be enough to beat the Clippers. And once Kawhi got hurt, then I thought the series was over. But Paul George stepped up. He was able to be that star that we all saw in OKC, the star that we saw in Indiana. The Paul George that took LeBron to seven games back in 2013 with the Miami Heat. This was the Paul George that we wanted to see. And, you know, he got all the hate from the Jazz fans, all the pandemic peas, the playoff peas. And he came out and put on a show in that game five, and they went up 3-2. And by then, that's when the series was kind of over. The Jazz didn't have really much more answers. Donovan Mitchell played well, not as well as Luka, but he did enough for them to win that series. It's just the Clippers stepped up. Paul George stepped up. Guys stepped up. Terrence Mann stepped up. There was other guys that were hitting shots that weren't hitting shots in the Mavs series, and that was ultimately the difference maker in that series. They lost four straight. The Clippers and the Suns is going to be a very competitive series. It probably wouldn't be like two rounds ago, but now it's going to be with Paul George playing the way he is. I mean, without Kawhi Leonard, they still only lost by five or six points last night against the Suns. They won four straight against the Jazz, a team that literally can get hot at any time from beyond the three-point line, a, a team that you know, has been having the crowd on their side too. So they went down 2-0, didn't panic. But if you think I'm giving credit to Ty Lue, I'm not. So that's all I got to say. Congrats to Clippers. Congrats to Paul George. Terrence, man, I mean, I don't know how that dude does it. 39 points, 15-21 and 21 shooting, 7 for 10 to win the series. Yeah, and, and like I said, the Jazz were up 25 points in that game with Mike Conley back. So that's all I got to say there. Hey, I hate the Clippers with all of my guts. And man, oh man, am I rooting for Phoenix to beat the Clippers. But let me give credit where credit is due. Kawhi Leonard goes out. What does Paul George do? He doesn't fumble under the pressure. He just rose to the occasion. Paul George, man, we've been hating on you, hating on you, hating on you, hating on you. And man, oh man, have you redeemed yourself. You have stepped up and led the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi Leonard last couple of games. I am just so impressed by him. But... (laughs) You said you're not going to give credit to Ty Lue. I got to give credit to Ty Lue. That's got to be a coach right there that's, you know, pretty much in the NBA. Once you get to a certain level, it's not really about strategies and things like that. It's really about handling the mental of your players. You know, Phil Jackson describes himself as just a manager of emotions. Um, with those Bull teams and those Laker teams. And Ty Lue's done an amazing job handling Paul George's emotions, this Clipper team's emotions. Uh, A Clipper team that (laughs) fell apart in the bubble um, under the hands of Doc Rivers, similar to how the 76ers fell apart against the Hawks in this past series. But we'll get on to that later. Um, I also got to give credit to Ty Lue for the strategic moves that he made throughout the jazz series. He took advantage of Rudy Gobert being a liability on the defensive end. Your so-called defensive player of the year being a liability on the defensive end by going five out, putting the best shooters on the floor, whoever's hot, they are just going to shoot, 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 shoot. And Rudy's not going to be able to recover. If Rudy goes out, boom, you're able to attack drive Paul George easily getting to the lane. Just masterful, just textbook on how to beat this Utah Jazz team. They defended really well. I mean, I also got to give credit to Reggie Jackson. He's been phenomenal all playoffs. Terrence Mann, he just had a phenomenal game six. But that's that's the ultimate X factor that you need to win series like that. If that series goes back to Utah, I'm not sure if the Clippers win. So Terrence Mann stepped up big time. They're going to need him in this next series as well. It all started with that crazy putback dunk in the first quarter. That crazy putback dunk, and man, he just caught fire in the third. So that was exciting to watch, even though I hate the Clippers. I mean, you just love when players like that go off. Uh, big underdog stories. Um, it's huge for player development with him because he was not that great of a shooter coming out of the draft. Just athletic dude out of Florida State, and the Clippers have just done a great job developing him. 
you know, credit to that organization for getting to their first Western Conference Finals. I hope they lose, though. Oh, okay, fine, Preston. I'll give him credit because of how he was able to adjust and attack Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert, the so-called three-time defensive player of the year, is so dominant inside, right? And I thought that was going to be the difference maker in this series. I thought, okay, the Mavs gave the Clippers so much problems with just Luka alone that they don't have a guy like Rudy Gobert inside. So the, imagine what the Jazz are going to get with Donovan Mitchell, who, yeah, who's not as good of a scorer as Luka, but he has a lot more help, better shooters around him, and also a dominant big inside who's the defensive player of the year. Like, how are the Clippers going to stop them? And after game two, I'm like, Ty Lue hasn't made any adjustments. He should have played Boogie and Luke Kennard all this time. Yeah, you got Terrence Mann, but why didn't you make these necessary adjustments versus the Mavs? Like, yeah, you ultimately won the series, but you're lucky that Kawhi had to step up because he didn't make any of those necessary you know, substitutions for them to win that series. The Clippers could have won that series maybe in five, six games if they would have, if he would have did that earlier. So after game two, I was shitting on Ty Lue. But I'll give him credit because of his ability to neutralize Gobert, how dominant he is inside. I mean, you know, the small ball of the Clippers was just working off the perimeter. It was crazy because, I mean, as good as Rudy Gobert is inside, he ha- he's slow. He can't move, you know, back and forth vertically like that. He, you know, he can't, he can't go from one court. He can't go from one side of the court to the other that fast. We'll just kick it out to our shooters, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, We'll attack you from the perimeter if we have to. And that's what he was doing. They were just able to neutralize him. So I give Ty Lue credit for that. I mean, I was shitting on him for the first two games, but hey, they won four straight. I can't really say much. And Mike Conley came back and they blew a 25-point lead. I'm just going to go ahead and give them all credit. The Clippers did good, and I 100% agree with you. I do hope they lose. So that is it for that series. Jazz, disappoint me. Hopefully the Suns don't. They won game one versus the Clippers. It was a well-competitive game. First quarter was very low scoring, 21 points from both teams. Both teams couldn't really get into the shooting rhythm right away. Uh, But then once the second quarter came around, they were able to get it done. So Clippers did, in in fact, lose that game. Devin Booker put up 40-point triple-double, which is crazy because that was his first triple-double, and it came in the Western Conference Finals. So if you're going to get a triple-double, make it happen at the right time. So Suns, Clippers, I'll start this one. I'm going to say that the Suns win this game, but I got Suns in seven. I think this is going to be competitive. I'm done sleeping on the Clippers. I could see the Suns winning in six, and I could see the Clippers winning in seven. But I don't see the Clippers winning in six any or any less than that, especially after the Suns winning game one and Devin Booker putting up those numbers. The main thing is going to be Kawhi Leonard's status and Chris Paul's status. Chris Paul has COVID. I have no idea how long he's supposed to be out. He doesn't have any symptoms but he's still tested positive. So I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what they're going to do with the protocols. If he comes back, Suns can win it in less than five or less than six. But if he doesn't, then I think it's going seven. I'm project. I'm looking at it as if he's not going to be there. He's going to miss significant time. And I'm looking at if Kawhi Leonard's going to miss significant time credit that he's rehabbing his ACL, t- ACL uh, injury. And we don't know what his status is as well. So if everything is lining up right now and based on game one, I got Suns and seven, but things could change. Who do you got? We got to say, when's the last time we've had two significant players in a Western Conference Finals where we have no timetable on their return? Like, you would think there would at least be a timetable on when Kawhi Leonard was going to be back. We don't really even know the injury. They're totally keeping under wraps. Same with the Chris Paul situation. They're totally keeping it under wraps. We have no details whatsoever. I thought we would have at least heard something by now. Well, Kawhi's injury didn't even look that bad when he went down initially. I just thought, oh, he tweaked his knee a little bit. Maybe he got a little bit of a cramp. Like, you know, sit him for the rest of the game. No biggie, right? Yeah, but still, it's like they haven't even come out with like an injury. It's just like possible ACL injury type thing still. Oh, yeah, there's no status at all. Yeah, there's no status at all. And that's crazy to me. Um, You would think, you know, the top reporters in the league would be on top of that and would get some type of information, but nothing is being leaked whatsoever. Same with the Chris Paul situation. No one knows why he's under the protocol, how long the protocol is going to take place, what the basis is for this. 
So this series is pretty unpredictable. I'm picking the Suns in six simply because I think they're a, a way better team. Tough matchup. They just got too much for the Clippers to handle unless the Clippers, they just shoot the ball extremely well this series. Chris Paul needs to come back for the Suns to win in that amount of time. And, but I also think Kawhi obviously needs to come back as soon as possible for the Clippers to win this series. I don't know. I just have my guts telling me Suns and six, but it could easily be Clippers and six or Clippers and seven or Suns and seven. You know, this series is really up for grabs. And I think we're in for a really good series, at least a couple of really good games in this series. I could see anything happening except Clippers and six. If Clippers win in six, then that would be super impressive. And I would hate to say it, but if they beat the Suns in six, then they might win the finals. <laughs> I mean, that, if they do that, uh, then it's like, who who's going to beat them at that point? So, I mean, I guess that's a little bit of a spoiler alert. I have the Suns winning the NBA Finals most likely now just because the Nets are out of it, the 76ers out of it. I said in round two that I thought an East team was going to win the Finals, whether it be Philly or Brooklyn, and I didn't think Brooklyn was probably going to was going to lose, but we'll talk about that. Let's go ahead and get on into that those next series. We had the two East uh, Eastern Conference series. Both of these games went to seven. Preston, before we talk about which one was the best one, let's go ahead and recap each one. Start with 76ers and Hawks. Game seven ended yesterday. Ice cold Trey Young, man. That dude, ice cold in a good way. He didn't have a good shooting night last night. I think he was five for 23. But he elevated his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. And like I said, the reason why I'm such a big Trey Young fan is not because he went to OU. It's not because... He came out of the draft as a top guy and not being projected to being the superstar. And he's turned into one because coming out of college, I didn't think he was going to be that good. Come on now. It's not, I'm not a fan of him because of those reasons. I'm a fan of him because that New York series after game one, how he was portrayed a villain, how everybody was like, screw Trey young. This guy's a bitch. He just flops. He throws himself into defenders and draws fouls. He can't do anything, but they fail to realize that this dude can hit clutch shots He's great off the pick and roll, and he elevates his team. And who would have thought that the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals? I don't think anybody would have thought of that. Over Brooklyn? No. Over Philly? No. Okay, Milwaukee, maybe maybe people thought Milwaukee could have made it because of Giannis. You got a back-to-back MVP, right? But no one thought the Atlanta Hawks were going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, let alone a lot of people didn't even think they were going to beat the Knicks. I didn't think they were going to beat the Knicks. So give credit to Trey Young. I don't care if you hate how he plays. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't like that James Harden play style, but you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Trey Young, let's just recap the Sixers series. Game 1, 35-10, two steals. Game 2, 21-11, one steal. Game 3, 28-8, two steals. Game 4, 25-18 assist, one steal. Game 5, 39, seven assists. Three steals. Also, that was a choke job by the 76ers. Blew a 26 or 20, yeah, 26 point lead. Game six, 34 12, three steals. Game seven, 21 10, three rebounds. Shot horribly, but still put up decent numbers. So, credit to Trey Young for winning in that series. And before we talk about Ben Simmons, you got anything else to say about Trey Young, Preston? Yeah, Trey Young was obviously huge in this series. You know, he struggled throughout game seven, but he hit the clutch shot to put them up. So, I mean, like like we all say, you know, shooters shoot, and he is the epitome of that. He kept shooting, and he hit the shot when it mattered. Just fantastic for a young superstar in the league, fantastic for this league, and excited to see what the future holds for him. <sighs> okay, now let's talk about Ben Simmons because we're, we're all ready for that. Everybody needs to know Ben Simmons – Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. There's no more defending this guy. There, there's no more defending this guy. This dude is literally the definition. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say it this way. This dude is a certified bum. He disappears in the fourth quarter. He can't shoot to save his life. He puts no effort into his shooting. In this, you, you got a whole offseason. You've been in the league for four seasons. How can you not show any improvement at all? When he gets to the free throw line, this dude looks like a freaking pole, bro. Like he's just, he's frozen. Like he has no, he, it's like he's scared. 
to shoot. I, I don't know what his problem is. I saw a, a TikTok of him warming up and he was shooting with his opposite hand. I've heard a little bit stories about how he's ambidextrous, but like still, like this dude was shooting, was throwing up like easy layups with his left or his, I don't know if it was left hand or his right hand. I think it was his left hand. And this dude was missing them. And it didn't even look like he was trying. Like if you put in some type of effort, you can at least, you know, improve your shooting a little bit. You know, maybe you're just not a natural shooter, but I know you can improve on it. But this dude just looks scared. He looks lost when he's out there. It's getting to the point where he's non-existent and he's an offensive liability. And that is not good for someone who's supposed to be considered a top five point guard with all his skill sets. So, I mean, you look at, he's just disappeared. Over the final three games of the series, he's had eight points. He's had a total of eight points. Eight points in game five. Six points in game six. Five points in game seven. Like, are you serious? And then in the fourth quarter where it matters the most, when you're supposed to win these closed games, because this is a seven-game series, you're supposed to close out these games. He's only shooting the ball twice. So it's like he has he has no faith in himself. I was talking to T-Mac a little bit, and I know T-Mac's a big Ben Simmons fan. And he thinks that when Ben Simmons, if he ends up going somewhere else, he will be a lot better because he thinks him and Joel Embiid don't work together. He thinks Joel Embiid clogs the paint too much and doesn't allow Simmons to really ignite his game a little bit. But that's cap. That is cap because if he's not going to, he doesn't do anything for himself. Like look at the last three games, last four games. He shot the ball one time in the fourth quarter. Once. That's it. That's all he did. There's no more defending this guy. And when he does shoot, he can't make shit. So that just tells you that he has no confidence in himself. Doc Rivers doesn't have any confidence in him. Ben Simmons, oh man, that's all I got to say. You're a bum. And Preston, I'll let you describe your little screen, uh, your little background picture here. I want you to read what it says to the fans here so they know because they can't see it. But what what is that? Uh, what does that thing in your background say about Ben Simmons? Go ahead and read it. Yeah, mostly everybody has seen this meme already. But, you know, if you're feeling useless, just remember that Ben Simmons wears a shooting sleeve every single game. All right, here's my PSA to all the Ben Simmons lovers, to all the people who have been telling me, no, why are you hating on Ben Simmons? No, he's so good. But shut the hell up, bro. This is specifically to you, Taylor, right here. First of all, the Simmons and Embiid thing, I've been saying they needed to trade Ben Simmons a long time ago. I was saying that when Ben Simmons got hurt last offseason. I was saying, bro, they need to trade him now. And you know what? His trade value has diminished even more since that. They would have been better off trading him when he was injured. When he was injured. You know how pathetic this performance is? Dude, all you needed to do was just be aggressive, attack the paint. Even if you go to the line, just shoot like 60%. Just practice enough, shoot enough free throws before and after the game to where you get comfortable and you shoot 60% from the line. That's not that hard. Six out of 10 free throws, not that difficult. Instead, you shoot 34% on over 70 attempts throughout the playoffs. The worst in NBA history. So now in the games that matters, your team is relying on you. And this is where I put pressure on Doc Rivers as well because. It's your job. You are a manager of emotions. This man clearly had cracked in game five. Clearly, he stopped attacking. He started giving the ball up way too early in transition where he normally gets all of his points. He was lucky this past game because he was giving the ball up early in transition, but his teammates were hitting all of their shots. So his teammates did their job. Not to mention he gets the he's the one that gets scored on by Trey on that deep, you know, almost logo three because he's not up in him. He decides not to go, you know, up over the screen. He just kind of goes through it. Just absolutely pathetic. Doc Rivers, I'm not sure he needs to go. I think he's on his last draw. If they have another performance like this in the playoffs, that's pathetic. Ben Simmons officially needs to go at this point. You know, his mind is gone. I think he will do better on another team, but simply because they'll build around him. But he'll be in a situation maybe in like a Minnesota, not in Minnesota, but in a, in, a, in a situation like Minnesota where they get stuck, you know, at the bottom of the Western Conference, even with some talent, and they're not able to make their way up to the playoffs. I don't think, you know, he's going to be on a, on a playoff caliber team, maybe a championship caliber team ever again in his career um, because he's going to get traded somewhere 
where, you know, there's not going to be a ton of help and he's going to be the number one option, but he's not a number one option on the championship team. I mean, he clearly, you know, can't hit shots for his life. He can't mainly, he can't hit free throws. And when you can't hit free throws, you're scared. And when you're scared, you don't attack. And when you don't attack, you don't put pressure on the defense. You don't get them in foul trouble. And also, you're just basically allowing another defender to just help off and make things tougher for the rest of your team, make things tougher for your star player to Embiid. So look for, you know, 76ers to try and get somebody out of this. I'm guessing they're probably just going to get picks. I don't think they're going to get a big-time player, maybe a C.J. McCollum. But I'm I, if I'm Portland, I do not want Ben Simmons. If I'm a – like – the only team where I'd be like, oh, I want Ben Simmons is a team like the Pistons because there's nothing there. That's they, they got nothing there. So expect Ben Simmons to go to a team like that. It, it's over for him. I, I, he's never going to amount to anything in his career. He's done. Dunzo. I don't think he'll ever make it to a conference finals ever. He's donezo. He's never, 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 never. So I will give you credit, Preston. Because I remember, I don't remember which podcast it was in particular, but the last time I remember you saying this was, you would argue that Tobias Harris was the number two option in Philly. And I think you were right. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you were right. No, no, no. I, I wasn't saying Tobias Hart Harris is the number two option in Philly. I said Tobias Harris is a, is a really good number three option. But I, I did say when it came down to clutch moments, Tobias Harris would become the number two option because Ben Simmons is a liability late in games. Isn't that crazy, though? You, you don't normally see players like that. You don't normally see players that are a liability on offense and such a good defensive player. Like, you don't normally see that that often. And Ben Simmons... Well, I mean, okay. An all, you could say an all-star. An all-star. There are defensive players that are liabilities um, on offense, such as Tony Allen. Um, okay, and you've got, yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm they, talking, they weren't yeah. all-stars. Yeah. Talking we're talking about, all-stars. I'm talking about top tier players, like guys that are, are like top 10 at their respectable positions. And that, that brings me to this question, Preston, where does Ben Simmons rank among point guards now? Because I, I made a list and I had him around the eight to 10 range. I've, I've always had him there. I'd never had him top five because I, there's just too many good point guards. But at this point, like, where does this man rank among point guards now? He's going to fall. And this is why, Eric, this is why I always talk so much about the playoffs. Because look at the regular season compared to the playoffs. Doesn't the playoffs change your list dramatically? Absolutely. And the playoffs are what matters. Absolutely. So, look at Julius Randle. Look at Julius Randle. Yeah, that's what I've been saying to you. That's why, like, you know, for a while I was higher on Donovan Mitchell over Devin Booker simply because we hadn't seen Devin Booker in the playoffs. We're talking about this in the beginning of the playoffs. Now, after this, this playoff series, um, these last two series, I would probably have Devin Booker um, over Donovan Mitchell on my team. So, you know, the playoffs, you know, is the real determining factor for lists in my opinion. Well, they're both interchangeable. I think you could argue for those two any day. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if you say Booker's better. I wouldn't be mad if you say Spide is much better, you know. I I think those two players are both interchangeable, but at this point, I think you got to put Booker right now just because of what he's doing, and especially if they get to the finals, if they do it without Chris Paul, I mean that's that just that just has to settle it right there. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, Ben Simmons, man, oh, and and the blame doesn't completely go to him. I mean, it, we gotta we can't we gotta look at Doc Rivers too because Doc Rivers. I mean, this, when the series is tied 2-2, there's eight minutes left in the third quarter, and you're up by 26 points. You you can't choke that, man. you you got to yeah. be able to – and the worst part about that wasn't the fact that they actually blew that lead. The worst part of that game was Joel Embiid and Seth Curry were the only Sixers to make a field goal in the second half of that game. So that's where it comes to Ben Simmons. That's where it comes to these other guys having to step up. You know, it can't just be Seth Curry and Joel Embiid. You got to surround yourself with better role players. And I mean, I, I blame Doc Rivers for not for for not making adjustments and helping his team, yeah. you know, win that game. Like I said, coaches are managers of emotions at the NBA level. Um, Doc Rivers has failed to manage his team's emotions multiple times, blowing three one leads. 
You've got Paul George who fell apart in the bubble last year, multiple players that fell apart in the bubble uh, last year. And you got multiple players that fell apart on the 76ers this year. Ben Simmons, uh, Tobias Harris wasn't himself um, in that game that they blew and even in uh, game seven. So yeah, I, I completely agree as far as like Ben Simmons is taking most of the blame, but you also have to blame Doc Rivers as well for not making sure his players were prepared. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as much of a catastrophe as Brett Brown, but it still still didn't help. I mean, the 76 at the end of the day, they lost in the second round again. Yeah, I, I think Brett Brown was more X and O's, though. Like, with Doc Rivers, why do we keep on seeing players collapse under pressure like this? His players collapse under pressure like this. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's just outdated at this point. If they have, like you said, if they have another choke job like this next year, because he's, he's going to stay. They have another choke jog like this. It's like his career, his career as a coach should be done. Yeah, I'd say his career as a playoff caliber coach, um, as a championship caliber coach would be done because I'd expect him to get a job somewhere. I mean, at least Detroit, at least like Minnesota or something like that. But yeah, you know, man, uh, the last thing I want to say is Seth Curry, I miss you. I wish you would have stayed in Dallas. I can't believe we traded him. We actually traded that dude for Josh Richardson. And at the time, I thought it was such a good trade because I'm like, okay, Josh Richardson is a better defensive player and the Mavs suck on defense. This can be good. And then Josh Richardson didn't even like play for y'all. Well, when he did, he did not play good at all. So, yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and go into the last series that we saw last round. We had the Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. This one went seven. After a 2-0 lead, the Nets was blown. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the injuries. Kyrie went out. James Harden messed up his hamstring, and he played barely a lick of that game, and they still blew them out. So I thought, I'm just going to say, I thought this series was over after two games. I mean, man, shame on me. Shame on Eric for thinking another series is over after a 2-0 lead. Apparently not. Apparently not, because the Clippers have done it twice now, and... Milwaukee Bucks just did it. I thought this team was defeated after game two. Giannis was failing to guard KD every game, and KD was just destroying everybody else. Kyrie was getting involved. And I was saying when they were up 2-0, they don't have to rush James Harden back. They didn't have to rush him back at all. But then, unfortunately, when the Bucks ended up going up, it was like, okay, now they got to play James Harden. And a lot of people have been hating on James Harden saying he's, you know, he disappears in, in big moments in the playoffs. Like, you know, game seven, he shot five for 17 and two for 12 from the three in game seven, and he didn't help the team. Okay, yes, I, I understand that. And this is coming from a guy that absolutely hates James Harden. I cannot stand James Harden. But I'm not blaming that on him because that dude did everything he could. I mean, they rushed him back. He clearly was not healthy. This dude yeah. was – He only played about 20 20- – 20 something games this year. So it's like, you know, with that, his health on the line and everything, I respect him for at least playing. I mean, can we talk about Kyrie not even trying to play through his ankle injury? I don't know how serious it was, but take that fucker up and go. James Harden played over 50 minutes on a bad hamstring. Like, of course he wasn't going to shoot. Well, I'm not, I'm not blaming on him. He didn't have a good enough game for them to win, but, oh, yeah, that was uh, – uh, I'll give credit to Chris Middleton. He finally stepped up. He made a clutch shot at the end of that game. That's what you have to do as a max player. More of that, Chris Middleton. Do that. I mean, and, and another reason I didn't think that the, the Bucks were going to win that series is just how poorly they shot those first two games. They shot terrible. This series was more about poor shooting performances from both teams because three-poor percentages in game three versus seven, Giannis shot 26%. Drew Holiday shot 24%. Joe Harris shot 24%. Harris led the NBA with 47 and a half three-point percentage in the regular season, and he just absolutely disappeared in this series. And Giannis, I mean, credit to him. He put up 32, 13, 4, and shot 57%, and that's with having a terrible three-point percentage. They found a way to win, and, you know, credit to Giannis. But there, that, there was just a lot of players who, who really disappointed in this series. And, and a lot of injuries too. So I really do think the Nets should have won this series. They should have, you know, looking back on it, but the Bucks took advantage of it, didn't panic, won the game. The last thing I want to talk about is Kevin Durant. I don't want to hear any Kevin Durant slander, okay? This dude did everything he could. 
Yes, they could have they could have drawn up a better shot for him at the end of that game. He airballed it. Okay. Yes, he could have stepped up in game five when they were tied. Series was tied two two, and the Bucks ended up going up, and he shot horrible. Right. So he could have stepped up in better moments. But you know, you come out the next game. He nobody's ever done this in the playoffs. Forty nine point seventeen rebounds, ten assists, and had played every single minute of the game. I mean, that dude was exhausted. He put his whole team, he put his whole body on the line. And this is coming from a guy who ruptured his Achilles. This dude was not supposed to be the same player. And he got even better, arguably. Kevin Durant, in my opinion, is the best player in the world right now. No debate. 27, 7, and 6, 54, 45, 88, 34, 9, 4 on 51, 40, 87 in the playoffs. You know, first 45, 15, and 10 playoff game ever. Most points ever in a game seven from the most devastating injury in basketball to becoming the best player in the world. Just like that. No Kevin Durant slander, blame it on anybody, but him, that dude was exhausted. He put his body on the line. It's unfortunate that they couldn't draw up a better shot than him. I really do think Steve Nash could have called that timeout, but that's one of those moments that you can look back as your first year as a head coach to think, wow, I really could have taken advantage of that missed shot of the bucks and try to drop a better shot for the best player in the world. But I didn't. We rushed it. And credit, also credit to Drew Holiday. Shot terrible this whole series. Did not play well. But he made the biggest play of the series to win that series and make them airball. That's all I got to say. Bucks win. Oh, man. You know what? Father time is pretty special. Father time is pretty special. Here's why. You know, my hot takes have, have aged pretty well over the past year. Obviously, I had the the Ben Simmons talk, you know, during quarantine about they needed to get rid of him. He's a certified bum. I also talked about, you know, I knew. And Eric, I think I believe you will remember this. I said when I don't remember if it was at the end of last season or even a little bit before, I've been saying it for a while that KD this season would be the best player in the league coming back from that Achilles. He had, you know, a year and a half off, you know, we, the medical field has advanced dramatically, you know, so I knew that Achilles was going to be, you know, spot on. I knew that he was going to be probably the best. um, He was probably going to have the best recovery from his Achilles out of any player um, in league history, especially since it was on his non-jumping leg. But I said KD was going to be the best player in the league this year. And boy, oh boy, was I right. Mad respect to him. I also said I made a list in quarantine on another podcast I did with my friends. It was top 10 list of all time. I had KD number 10 on that list. Man, did they give me crap for that. After watching him this year, tell me I'm not right. Tell me he is not a top 10 player of all time. You know, granted, like our perception of him is a little whack because you know, he did that BS and went to Golden State, you know, leaving OKC. But tell me after watching that, you look at all of the players in the history of the league. Tell me just without a resume, without anything, that he is not a top 10 player of all time. Seven footer, handle, fadeaway jumpers, insane sniper, clutch performance, championship DNA. Tell me he's not a top 10 player of all time, just based on that. You know, I know there's obviously 10 players in the league with better resumes than him. At the end of the day, he is what a two time was it two time champion, two time finals MVP. So he's at least got that, even though it was with the Warriors and they kind of cheated. Not going to lie, that should have been, you know, that signing should have been denied or something, you know, or Chris Paul should have been allowed to come on the Lakers. But, you know, you and know here's, here's, where, here's where I butt in with that. You know, a lot of people said, oh, KD, you know, he needed to go to a super team to win. Okay, fair enough. Maybe he needed to, right? But that dude was still the best player on that team, clearly, no debate. And he hit the clutch shots in those series to secure finals MVP. So I don't want to hear that BS of, oh, he had to go join Steph and Clay and Draymond and, and the Warriors. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the move. I'm not defending him for doing that. I mean, that was not fair. But he was still the best player on that team. Don't get it twisted. That's all I got to say. Keep going. Yeah, so mad respect to KD. Not going to lie. Kyrie should have tried to play through that ankle injury or something, bro. It's a game seven. You lace, you lace that 
thing up and go, bro. No player in the 90s on a freaking sprained ankle would have passed up an opportunity to play in that game. You see Kyrie walking around, hopping around on the sidelines. I know it hurts, bro. Take some pain meds, wrap it up and go, dude. You got an entire offseason to rest and get ready for next season. How often do you have an opportunity to go to the Eastern Conference Finals? Apparently for you, you don't have a lot of opportunities, but you keep on getting injured. So just going to lay that out there. Respect to Harden, respect to KD. Joe Harris should have shot better. And then the Bucs. I haven't even talked about the Bucs at all. Mad respect to the Bucs. Mad respect. I don't like Budenholzer. He didn't really make any crazy adjustments. I just think it just came down to Drew Holiday coming out. He was insanely clutch in that game seven. Drew Holiday was insanely clutch. Respect to Chris Middleton. Game three coming out. Dicing it up. Dropping a 30-piece. Bang, 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 bang. You know, he's back. He's playing the way he's supposed to be playing. So we see players bounce back. You know, Paul George, Chris Middleton, those players, players that have underperformed in the playoffs, max guys that should have been performing like this a while ago. They're finally stepping up. And mad respect to those guys. That That's not easy to do, uh, to deal with the criticism, deal with Twitter, Instagram, all that crap. Honestly, I'd go, if I was in their shoes, I'd go zero dark 30. I honestly do go zero dark 30. I'm not on Instagram or Twitter. I delete it. Uh, during the weekdays so that way you know it just keeps my head clear because that that twitter's toxic as hell let's be real twitter's toxic as hell and that's tough to deal with you know you see guys like ben simmons crack and you saw chris middleton crack last year you obviously saw paul george crack last year so mad respect to to those guys for stepping up Giannis did his thing uh the free throws that's pure comedy. The free throws are pure comedy. You know, you got the the fans counting how long it takes him to shoot his free throws, and then he airballed twice in game seven. So, but at least he's shooting. At least he's shooting. At least he's still attacking, unlike Ben Simmons over here. So, respect to the Bucks. Um, as far as my prediction in the Eastern Conference Finals, the the Bucks are a far superior team. The Hawks would have to shoot extremely well five out of the seven games in the series. Uh, in order to win, because I think the Bucks, you know, they've obviously been shooting well. And the Bucs are, are, are a bigger, better defensive team. I think Drew Holiday is going to be a really tough matchup for Trey Young because he's an amazing two-way player. Uh, unless, you know, Trey gets Drew into foul trouble, which I think he might, you know, he might a couple of games. They're probably going to have to send a couple of different guys. But when you're, you don't have Drew guarding him, you know, you're going to have P.J. Tucker. You're going to have, you're going to have Chris Middleton switching on to him. And you're going to have Giannis on the uh, the weak side being able to come over and help um, defend against those lobs, defend against the floaters, um, and make things tough for him. So I I have Bucks winning in five. Okay, so I didn't even know we were picking that right away. Okay, well, that was a good transition there, Preston. But when you texted me Bucks in five, I was like, what? What? If 76ers would have won the series, I would have been like, What? What? I actually disagree. I have the Hawks winning the series. I think the Hawks are going to do it. I like the way Trey Young's been playing. I'm on that hype train. I believe in getting hot at the right time and momentum. The Hawks are the more hot team right now. I don't care if the Bucks just took down the best team in the NBA. The Hawks are coming. Everybody needs to calm down on this whole Milwaukee's winning the championship. They're not. Bro, winning- stop, act- stop acting like the Nets aren't a really good team without Kyrie and a beat-up Harden. They are That's a, a good, really good team. They are a good team. I never said they weren't, but they still should have won that series. If they if they were healthy, they would have won that series. Come on now. Let's be real. They yeah, but the Bucks, the Bucks have been playing amazing too. Stop acting like they aren't hot. The Bucs have been they, playing They great. won four out of their last five games against the Nets. Okay, they've been playing good, but the Hawks, are we just going to ignore what the Hawks did? Dude, that's that. No, we're not ignoring what the Hawks did. The Hawks are hot. Okay, but I but think it's said, more the 76ers choking. But you said the Bucks aren't going to choke like that. You said five games. You're saying Trey Young's only going to win five games or one game. Sorry. Excuse yes. Me. Yes. Trey Young's only going to win one game. There's going to be some close games. But dude, Milwaukee's been playing way too good. Okay. The Nets are a far better team than okay. the 76ers, so, so, even without Kyrie. So and what Harden. are you going to say if the, if the Hawks win game one and, and Trey Young puts up 30? <laughs> Bucks and five. You are crazy, bro. There is. <laughs> and the Hawks aren't going to win. The Hawks are not going to win game one. I will literally put $50 on the game if you want me to. Okay, I can't bet, so. so. Well, I, I it wouldn't be with you. I just, I'd oh. bet with Vegas. If I were to bet with you, Preston, which I can't, I don't bet, so don't, NCAA, don't get on my ass here, okay? But if I could bet you, Preston, I would bet, I wouldn't bet you on the winner because, you know, that's not fun. I would bet you 
that the game would go over five games. There's no way I would bet under five games. It's going to be interesting. That's that's I, I like this because we're actually disagreeing for once. We haven't really disagreed that much in this playoffs. We've been we've been agreeing for most of the part. But Bucks in five. Ooh, ooh. That I, I'm gonna be. You know, I'm gonna be texting you. I'm gonna be blowing up your phone tonight if the uh, if the Hawks or I, I don't think it's tonight. I think it might be tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's uh, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm gonna be blowing up your phone if Trey Young puts up like forty and they win game one realistically i want to see i want to see suns and hawks just because it's like two underdog stories really the underdog story mostly for the hawks because i don't think anybody thought they're going to be here and trey young's the villain trey young is the villain that's why i'm pulling for the hawks i'm sorry if that came out like i was disrespecting the bucks i'm not i'm really not they have been playing great i'm a big fan of drew holiday people don't understand that drew holiday is one of my favorite players i've been telling people to put respect on drew holiday's name ever since that dude was known as one of the best defensive players in New Orleans. I mean, that dude had potential from when he started his career in Philly. So I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. I love Drew Holiday. He he did not play good in that series. He shot terrible, but he made the right plays at the right time. And so did Chris Milton. Chris Milton stepped up. Which is yeah. why I've got the Bucks. That's fair, but it's not going five games, I'll tell you that. If the Bucks win, they're going to win in six or seven. All right. Trey Young has got that killer ice in his veins, boy. But that's that's our first disagreement. Okay, okay. So I got I have to ask you, Preston, because uh, you know we we didn't we haven't discussed this. We we decided that the Mavs and the Clippers was the best series from round one. So round two, Philly, Atlanta, or Milwaukee, Brooklyn. It's a hard decision. What was the best series? I mean, I feel like the right answer is probably 76ers Hawks, but I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say Bucks Nets because the game seven just pissed me off too much, man. Ben Simmons just that was less of the Hawks winning and more of the 76ers losing, and I hate that. The Bucks won the other series. The Nets didn't lose it. You don't think the Nets lost it? No, the next the Nets didn't lose it. I think just the Bucks straight up won. They they played amazing. They took everybody away except for KD, who obviously went off and he tried to will his team, but it just wasn't enough. And the game game seven went to overtime, so that's pretty sick. Yeah, I I guess I agree. I guess I agree. That was that was crazy. I think you know the shifting of the series too. Like okay, two zero, the series is over. To oh my gosh, Bucks have a chance. Like. I think that that overall just makes it a better series than 76ers and Hawk, where it's like, oh, Ben Simmons sucks. Joel Embiid isn't getting help. You know, Trey Young is playing great. So, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you there. And the last thing I want to say, Preston, is per Woj, he said that Mike Budenholzer getting past the Miami Heat and the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs has gone a long way in securing his future in Milwaukee. I 100% disagree with that. I think he should be fired either way. But how do you feel about that statement? Oh, wow. I mean, I don't think he should be fired either way. I, I, I don't think it secures long-term. I think it secures him at least another year. And if he gets to the finals and win a championship, another two years, I think it's less Budenholzer and more of the players stepping up, to be honest. I think they Even though have they, to win the finals for him to stay. No, dude. I mean, maybe if they just like completely choke to the Hawks, but... I mean, it's I think Budenholzer secured himself another year. I agree that he should. I, I agree that he should be gone. I agree. I agree that I don't like him as a coach. I, I agree that he's not the best fit there. But I, I also got to. I mean, no, don't you can't it. just. Don't, you can't. Don't say it. Don't give him credit. I just no. I'm not going to give him credit. I'm not going to give him credit. I just said I think it was more the players, but I think the 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 Bucks organization, they're. You know, they're going to look and they're going to be like, there's not really, I mean, I do think they should try and go after Rick Carlisle. I think Rick Carlisle would be a great fit. And but, that's what, that's what we can talk about later, because I think Rick Carlisle is probably going to go to Milwaukee. I mean, I just think that the Bucks organization is just going to look and be like, okay, he got us to the Eastern conference finals. Like we can't just fire him now unless they just get like swept by the Hawks. Oh man, I, I think he should be gone. He he always has that stupid look on his face. It's the same look, Preston, where he's like, it's the it's the look where I, I said this really well the other day. I don't want to mess it up, so give me a second here. 
the okay, this is what the face is. He has the please win this game so I don't get fired face every game. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, uh, he looks like he's one loss away from having a heart attack. I don't know. I, I thought Boonholzer should have been gone last year. They, 100%. Yeah, they, they were number one seed in the East back-to-back years. Giannis was back-to-back MVP, and they choked in both series. So, I mean, I guess 2019, I can't blame it too much. I mean, Kawhi Leonard and that Raptors team was just they, – they were clutch. They were, they were great, and Nick Nurse just outcoached him. So, I don't, I don't blame him too much like that. But last year, you know, against the Heat, like the bubble frauds, come on now, man. And they got swept. Or no, 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 they lost in they lost in five. They lost in five. Chris yeah. Middleton had that great game when yeah. Giannis got hurt. Yeah, Chris Middleton had to put up like 50 points for them to win that game. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, Preston, so now we got – so you got Suns in six and Bucks in five. I got Suns in seven and Hawks in – oh, I never said what how many series it was going to – I think I said uh, – yeah, I'm going to say Hawks in six. Okay. Let's go, baby. Okay. Hawks in six, baby. All right, we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks. Oh, I'll, you know I'll be blowing up your phone when, when the Hawks win game one. <laughs> when they win game one and Giannis has a terrible shooting. Okay, I'm not going to say that, but. <laughs> no, bro. There's no way the Hawks win game one. There's no way the Hawks win game one. All right. You, you got anything else to add? This is going to be a fun, uh, fun conference finals. I know it was a little lengthy episode, but we had to address a lot of things. You got anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. Oh, and then, yeah, out of the four teams remaining, uh, none have won the title since the NBA-ABA merger in 1977, uh, 1976-1977. So we are going to be guaranteed a new NBA champion. It's going to be fun to see who it is. We will see go you Suns. guys. Go Suns, baby, and go Hawks. We will see you guys for the NBA Finals. We're going to be talking about it when it comes. I know these are these episodes are getting out a little bit later than usual, but that's only because the playoff schedule is so whack. I mean – one round starts after another round isn't even over. So if it gets to y'all a little bit after game one or game two starts of these games, I apologize. But just know it's pre-recorded every single time. This is Monday, June 21st, and conference finals is already kicked out with game one of the Suns and the Clippers. We will see you guys for the NBA finals. Have a good one. Peace out.